This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. 2 Kings 13, verse 14, says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, my, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek. Till thou hast have consumed them. And he said, Take arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him. Thou shouldest, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now. Thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. God bless you. You can be seated. How many of you are familiar with this portion of Scripture? I'm sure we've heard it maybe before preached. Maybe some of you this might be new to you. But uh, I feel like this is not just a, an isolated experience. But the theme of what God is doing here through the prophet and... Uh, is asking of the king of Israel is, is the heart of God in, in every situation and in our lives today. Praise God. I want to start with some of these things maybe in the first few verses that we looked at, kind of unpack this slowly and look at it for, for us today. I, um, I don't want to destroy anybody's faith. I believe that God is my healer today. Amen. And I believe God always heals. And, and God is, uh, has always given us victory. But I've heard folks get discouraged because of a lack of balance in uh, faith preaching. In fact, I, have, uh, I feel like the kind of teaching that I received growing up really left a lot of room for, uh, as much as faith was really strongly preached, I feel like there was a balance there that, that kind of left you like something must be wrong when I'm waiting on a miracle, or feel like maybe something was wrong. I always heard about Moses. Now, Moses was always not only amazing, but it was like, this is just the way it is. If you really have faith, Moses... Uh, 
went on to be with the Lord, the Bible says, and his, uh, his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. Anybody remember that in the Bible? And we always kind of just believe that's the way it is. And, and, and hey, that's, that's how I want it. Amen. That sounds great, God. Give me strength in my old age. And I hold on to promises. And I'm not saying uh, that we shouldn't. But, but I've heard people just get angry and say, you know, something's wrong. Something's deathly wrong because, hey, there's just nobody in the Bible that just, just really gets sick. And, and I've, I've used this already and said, you know, Elisha, you know, Elijah, if you would say who are probably the greatest men in the Bible, Moses was one of them. Elijah, probably hand in hand with Moses. Elijah was just an amazing a miracle working man of faith that stood in a time of adversity and God just just moved God I mean just did some amazing things in him and Elisha was his follower and Elisha got a double portion of what was on Elijah and here we see Elisha as an old man and he's uh and he's sick and this was the sickness God used to take him home and it doesn't say something was wrong or he was backslid it's just you know his body was getting ready to give up and he was on his way to heaven praise the lord come on let's be honest hallelujah these bodies are god gives us miracles but they're 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 not because of the fall they're not built to last amen and uh, we need healing we need the miracles of god but but uh i will tell you this that i believe as we get older and as we fight fights for faith and god does great miracles there's also a necessity to say god i'm weak and i need to lean on you I need to have a mind and a heart of a child that says, God, I've learned a lot of things, but I still I still need to stay humble. And, and God can teach us and God can bless us even through times where where our health is failing, where our uh, uh, problems are are just just overwhelming us like we talked this morning. I hope you're hearing me and you understand this. I, can, can I tell you, I. Uh, I, I know I, I've I've heard it so many times where it just seemed like something must be wrong. And no, no, we're living in this world full of attacks. We're living in this world full of battles. Amen. And I thank God for the miracles that I've received. And I thank God today that I'm healthy and strong. But can I tell you that uh, that uh, Elisha was a man who believed in the promises of God and believed in the victory of God and and here he is. And for the one that says, you know what, there's nobody in the Bible that ever just just got got sick and they were sick and they still serve God. It's just everything stops. Get my miracle. No, Elisha was the one that I always bring up. You know, the Bible talks in times where where Paul was going through hard things and troubles and and, and trials and, and somebody he talks about weakness in his flesh and and like I said, I remember hearing faith preaching, saying, there's just no way Paul was ever sick. He was just a man of faith. Men of faith get sick. Good people of faith get sick. Amen. And, and we've got to still hold on to faith. Amen. When we're holding on for our miracle. Don't allow discouragement is what I'm saying to get a hold of you. Elisha, I'm telling you, he went on to heaven. And I think he was all right with that. But we've got to understand, this world is not our home and things are broken, things are failing. And that's not any shortcoming on God that we can say, God, it's just not right, it's not fair. Praise God. God is right and God is fair. And God's been good to us. Can anybody say amen? So this King Joash, I, I want to make one more point before we get into the main point of our scripture. This King Joash comes in to visit Elisha. Which looks like Elisha's really just getting ready to go home. He's on his deathbed. And um, we've taught over this before. This Joash, 
comes in, the king, and he makes a statement that may sound kind of odd to some. He says, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And that's exactly what Elisha said when Elijah got caught up to heaven in the whirlwind. You remember, we've done a study in the Bible that the idea of the horsemen and the chariots of a nation were their military might. It was their strength. In fact, God says some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen? So the idea of chariots and horsemen is the idea of strength. It's the idea of, uh, of might. And, and this king honors the prophet by saying, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, the horsemen of... He was saying the value, he was noting the value uh, of the man of God to the nation of that time. And saying, this is our might, this is our strength, our connection to God is why we're blessed today. I think a lot of people have mixed up, and I talked about it here recently, the whole problems with trust issues and there's there's a lot of reasons actually good reasons for it i understand to some extent but then then people just never really really develop that relationship don't allow the family of god to really have the unity because there's always mistrust and there's always and it's hard i can i just be just very very blunt right now and say it's very difficult as a pastor loving people and wanting people to have that unity and 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 be blessed and feel like everybody just just everything they're not really sure of right away they're feeling like oh that's a problem there's there's he's backslidden he's it's 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 kind of hard sometimes to think that maybe they're before we jump to conclusions of everything's just going to hell in a handbasket, that uh, that we can just recognize that we're all going through battles and going through hard times. Amen. But the place of a, of a pastor in your life is never, never, never to just do all you think and make your decisions, run your life. That's ridiculous. That's that's really messed up. I, I was thinking as I was praying along those lines and a lot of things I thought I was going to teach this weekend, but... But the Lord just gave a different direction. I was thinking about a man that came to me. I think it might have even been right before or just right at the beginning of being a pastor. And I think he was associated with, with the church years before that. And I, was, I knew about him, but I didn't really know him very well. And he had come by to the house and um, asked to speak to me by myself and we went downstairs, and he began to talk to me about a business proposition that he had been given, and an opportunity, rather. And he started going through all this money that he could be making and, and uh, just different, different things about it. And he said, I, I don't know why, but I'm here, and I want to ask you, uh, what do you think about all this? And do you think, uh, you know, I'm going to have to hire some people? And he wasn't looking to hire me. He was just looking for counsel. He was just looking for input and and i i'm gonna it's gonna take this much money to do this but i could make this on it and i don't know whether he could or not and when he was all said and done i said uh, i guess i found out later that he had asked a lot of different preachers and the way he talked it was going to be a whole lot of money um if it worked out the way he had planned and i said well are you going to church are you living for god How's this going to help? How, how's this? All, all I can tell you is how is this going to either help you get closer to God or is it going to take you away from the kingdom of God? And what does God want to do with your life? 
And does this fit into it? Is there a plan for somehow this to, to, to further God's kingdom or to, to, to help you get closer to God? Or is this going to all take you away from where is your soul in all this? And he looked at me and he said, I, I, nobody has asked me that question. See, that's, that's, what a, that's what a pastor's trying to do. Just help you get, get to heaven. It, it's, that's the bottom line of it all. Amen. And there, there's no other, there, there's nothing else there. Just, just help you. What's, where's your soul? Where, just to lead you and guide you to be a shepherd to help you be saved. Amen. To warn you not of, hey, I don't like this or I don't think this is good, but is this going to help you be saved? When you, you know, there was a man that came to Jesus one day and said, you know what, I, uh, I want you to come and talk to my brother and get him right because we have an inheritance and we need to split this right. He's not doing right. And Jesus, Jesus, God in the flesh said, what do I have to do with that? Just follow me. Be a disciple. Be saved. Amen. So many things that people are, are thinking a pastor should be or shouldn't be. But the bottom line is we're here to help you be saved. We're here to talk about getting closer to God, getting to heaven, and being an influence for God's kingdom. Amen? Too often, too many times, have their people have their minds wrapped up in something else, never really get a revelation, never really get an understanding of what God's kingdom is all about and what God is trying to do in them from here to when we get out of here. And the king, he comes to Elijah, Elisha and says... Uh, I understand the value of how you've been trying to lead us and get us to heaven. And the fact that you're dying, is, it's, it's like taking the, the chariots and the horsemen out of our army. But look what Elisha says to him. Elisha kind of does something a little non-conventional, if you, unconventional, if you will. Elisha says, okay, king. Now, remember, this is a king, right? He's a, you know, he's a man who knows what it's like to be in a, in a palace. He's got some money and he's got some reputation. And here he is with a dying prophet. And the prophet says, go get your bow. Get some arrows. So he gets his bow and gets his arrows. He said, put up the bow and put an arrow in it. Puts up the bow, puts an arrow in it. And you'll see, he just follows along step by step. Right? The prophet now, this elderly man and just takes his hands and puts them on the hands of the king now. And he says, I want you to open the window and shoot an arrow out. I don't know what point in all this the king probably maybe felt kind of foolish. I've seen it. I've seen God moving in a way where God is just doing something special and, and folks are getting humble and folks are really crying out to God and, and some might be just on their knees or on their face at an altar and some might be running the aisles and, and, uh, people might be just linking up and trying to find somebody to pray with and there's somebody else saying, I don't need to do all that. It doesn't take all that. That pride gets a hold of them. I can, I can be saved and I can get a hold of God and I don't have to just put, you know, all that sweating and all that crying and all that, all that energy. You know, I, I'm, I'm just as good. I'm good. Thank you. Right. And I don't know. It just seems like maybe that might have got on the, on the king. Because after a while, the, the prophet says, that arrow you just shot out there, that represents your victory. Over your adversary. 
The devil's been fighting you. And that arrow represents you smiting the king of your enemies. Now I want you to go ahead and smite the ground a few more times. Some people, the way it's written, I can understand that. Some people kind of feel like after the first arrow that the king was supposed to actually go out there and start hitting the ground. And I've been in services where they say, come on, just go ahead and, and, and smite the ground for your enemy just like that. But can, I, can, can you just give me my view here? I feel like maybe he was still shooting the arrows. Either way, he tells them, get some arrows, smite the ground. Whether he was using the bow or not, I, I kind of feel like they were still in that room, still doing the same thing. It wasn't, now I'm going to go out in the yard and do this, because there was still some connection there. But it, it, either way, it's, it's not important. So the king goes ahead and smites the ground. In my mind, he's pulling that bowstring back and thinking, well, you know, I think, uh, I think that's good enough. We preached about a, uh, an enemy called good enough. And he smites the ground three times and stops, stayed. The principle that I told you that I feel like is very prominent in the Bible, you'll hear us preach about it quite often, if not the whole message, just, just somehow in every service, that though the king followed specific instructions step by step, at this point where he stops after three arrows, the prophet is angry. There's nothing in the Bible that says this prophet got carnal because he was having a bad day because he wasn't feeling so good that day. And that God wasn't in it. No, God was in it. In fact, you follow up and see how God worked in all this and how God gave three victories and stopped at three, God was in it. So when the prophet gets angry, it's not because he feels like the king showed him disrespect and should have went farther. And it had nothing to do with a personal battle or a personal preference. This was something God's anointing was on. God was working through this and God was showing because of his connections with God and, and this man of God and because of his obedience, God was going to give him victory and God wanted him to get excited about it. God wanted him to be passionate about it. Why wouldn't he? I, it, it just shocks me. I had a conversation with someone that had visited the church here a while back, and, and, and they said, oh, it just seemed like so many people just, just uh, get up to testify. And I say, isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? As many people as possible, they can say, I've got something good to say about God. Say, maybe we can't have time to have everybody. I understand that. And sometimes special services will we'll take a little bit more. But isn't it great that somebody says, if I get an opportunity to say something about Jesus, I'll take it. That's not a bad thing. The prophet got angry. The prophet got, the Bible says, wroth. He was, he was angry. He said, you should have kept going. Why stop now? Why stop at good enough? Why stop at, at, at just, just enough to get through right now? You've got more battles ahead. You get as much as you can. You put as much as you can into it. Because there's victories that you're going to need to overcome. Amen. 
Don't just get through today. Get enough strength and enough power to keep on going to the end. The idea of having passion, having zeal. When Jesus was walking on the, in this earth, he walks into the temple and sees the just the disregard for God's holiness, the disregard for God's God's righteousness and the, the, the beauty of his house and the worship. And he sees the money changers. He sees the people more interested in their own needs and being able to really rip off one another. It wasn't a matter of it really. I, I understand. I'm not saying it's it's a maybe a bad thing, but some people have just interpreted that 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 there's no that you can't ever 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 exchange any kind of money or sell anything. I, I believe it was much more than that. There were people that that's all they were interested in ripping people off to make an extra buck. The, the changing of money, it was so much more than just, just selling something. They were making it convenient for people to worship by, you don't have to go through all the problems of putting your heart into finding a pure lamb or finding a, a pure uh, a ram or bullock. Just, just come in and give us some money and we'll give it to you. We'll get it going. We'll get it fast. We'll make a buck. You'll get in here. You'll worship. You'll get home in plenty of time. And it ate him up. The Bible says they remembered the book of Psalms said the zeal of thine house, the zeal, the zeal, the passion, the fervor. We are criticized very often for just fervent prayer, fervent worship, fervent, passionate, just preaching. And 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 it it blows my mind, honestly, that people can say they've got a God so awesome and they think it's acceptable just to go through rituals and routines that are just so 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 lifeless, so emotionless. There are some things that ought to get us worked up. There are some things that ought to get us excited. If if anything, if you have ever felt excitement in rooting for a team or excitement in a celebration of, of any sort, if there's ever been anything that's risen up inside of you that made you want to shout, certainly loving God ought to be in that list at the top. If you've ever just cheered or clapped your hands for anything, and the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. And we say, I just don't believe that that ought to be in church. It's in the Bible. And the fact that we applaud man and we cheer man and, and don't incorporate all the things in the Bible. It talks about shouting unto the Lord and raising our voices, loud voices unto God. Amen. Hallelujah. We ought to. We ought to serve God with not just a good enough, but we ought to put our heart into it. When the Bible talks about all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, our might. Amen. We oughtn't just be satisfied to, to think, God, I'm going to give you good enough. Oh, don't you, don't, don't tell me any different. I know people have, have calculated in their minds just how much is, is enough and, and I don't want to give too much to God. You'll never, never, never give more to God than He won't pour back into your life. We ought to put our hearts into serving God, our lives into serving God. Amen. Our prayer oughtn't be just enough. Our worship oughtn't be just enough. Titus, the second chapter. Titus 2. 
Jesus didn't just give you enough. He gave you exceeding abundantly above. Amen. Titus 2, verse 11, for the grace of God. Anybody a recipient of God's grace? Has He given you more than you deserve? The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. God's grace ought to teach you. What does it teach you? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Everything that's not like God. He wants to teach you to deny it. Oh, I feel like God was working on us earlier during worship. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope. That's in Titus, the second chapter, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope of the glorious appearing. Jesus is coming soon. The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Can anybody say amen? He gave himself for you. He gave himself for me. Why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity, sin, purify unto himself a peculiar people, different than this world. Amen? Praise God. We're changed. We're not like we were. We don't have the same priorities in this world. Amen. We're not going to look like this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Zealous. Somebody say zealous. Zealous of what? Good work. Doing good. Doing right. And zealous. Passionate about it. Fervent in spirit about it. These things speak, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. There's no reason. If you believe God cleanses your life, that you don't get excited about that. I know, hallelujah, there, there's this uh, carnal misunderstanding. Well, you know, you don't believe in this and this little thing and this little rule and this. Can I tell you, hallelujah, when you fall in love with God, there is a fervency about holiness. There's a fervency about living for God. You're going to look at how you live. You're going to look at how you dress. Amen. You're going to say, I, I'm not out there parading my body to this world. I'm going to dress holy. I'm going to be modest. Amen. And I'm serious about it. It oughtn't be something that you, you, you're pulling teeth. Praise God. It's just, I'm, I'm, my body belongs to God. Amen. Hallelujah. That women will dress like women. Men will dress like men. Amen. Praise God. And that it is submitted unto God. It is a life that says, I'm excited about this. I'm God's child. Hallelujah. I, he's made me a man. Or if he's made you a woman, be excited about that. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your heart into that. He's made you special. He's made you to, to walk in cleanness and holiness, not immodestly, lewdly. Amen. Walk in righteousness. Walk in it. Don't just just say, well, I, I've seen people say, well, I, I you know, I, I'm modest. You're not real, real powerful about it, are you? I've seen, well, I, I believe in, you know, trying to, to be more, you know, uh, like... Uh, you know, gender specific. We're not into all that gender fluidness. Amen. Can I tell you something? Hallelujah. Don't just do it halfway. Put your heart into serving God. Amen. People get all offended. Oh, you know, you're just trying to legislate every little bit of holiness. No, I'm telling you that it just comes to folks that say, you know what? I want to live for God and my heart's in it. Amen. 
I'm not looking for excuses to just just go around corners and and make compromises. I want to live for God. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I'm not trying to get a, as close to crossing lines of lust and impropriety. Amen. Going to keep myself pure. Going to keep myself right. Amen. The Bible, praise God, talks about marriage being honorable, the bed undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers. God will judge. God is angry, the Bible says. His wrath in, the, in, in God. He's angry with the wicked that, that, that are, are fornicating, adultering, and adultering, <laughs> committing adultery. Praise God. You get all into it. Praise God. Sometimes your English is, suffers. Praise God. But it's still right. The lewdness of this world, it needs to be uh, holiness under the Lord. And when you get a touch of it, you love it. Amen. It's not self-righteousness. It's just, God, you made me something. I'm special in your sight. And I'm not just looking for good enough and halfway. I just want to be a child of God. Look like one. Talk like one. Act like one. Amen. Not trying to get as close to it with my with my speech as I can. Not trying to to talk like the world and, and sound so filthy. That I think it's an honor to God for God to to cleanse a heart and cleanse you to 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 raise you up in in dignity, and say you know what I'm not judging people I'm not coming down on people and condemning people, I'm just I'm just because of God's grace and mercy I live a life that's above all that. Amen. Don't don't get any benefit of cussing somebody out. Don't get a benefit from 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 acting like an idiot when something doesn't go my way and just losing control and and somehow trying to justify it. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, I know, can I be honest with you? If you'll be really honest and you you lose control of yourself when you're angry, you say things you shouldn't say, you do things you shouldn't do, you get your life all mixed up because you're just so frustrated with people and you get yourself tangled up even in, in sinfulness sometimes. You know what gets me sometimes, you know, when I allowed myself to be so undisciplined, at the end of the day, you know who's got to live with this regret? Amen. You know who's got to live with the feeling like, you know what, I'm such an idiot. Why in the world? I remember it was kind of funny to me. He, he did it in a comical way, but a foreman of mine was telling me how he got so angry and, and upset. His They had a, a baby and he was a little older his wife was a little older but they had a baby later in life and his wife had said something to him he comes sharing this with me for some reason we used to have bible studies he said i just got so angry and i picked up a bottle of milk and and i threw it across the room and hit the window hit the hit the wall and it shattered and and splashed milk everywhere and she got mad and walked out and the baby's crying and here i am sitting there saying now i have to clean that up and i have to quiet the baby and I've got, to, I've got to deal with all this mess that I just made. And I've got to help her when she gets home because of what a mess I made there. And he said, oh, this is stupid. And see, that's what happens. You know, people that, that allow themselves to get carnal, to get lustful, to get unclean in their speech and their actions, you're going to have to deal with all the things that you sow you're going to have to reap. And if you can learn and God can help you learn, what a mess when it'd be better just to choose the right way. Amen. I'm not looking at this world saying I'm, I'm better than you and you're so beneath me. But I'm saying I've got a blessed life not having to deal with all the junk that you're sowing that someday is going to catch up to you. Sooner or later. Amen. He said he was mad with the king because he only shot three times. He said you should have shot five or six times. 
you'd have more victory if you would have put your heart into it a little bit more. Hallelujah. I can tell you this. One of the things that the Holy Ghost has just worked with me. I, at the end of the day, I want to have peace in my life and peace in my heart that I know, God, I, I put my heart into doing what you wanted me to do. I, I didn't just play games and go through the motions, God. And if I if I mix my motives with selfishness and carnality and what I want to accomplish rather than what God wants to accomplish, I know how I feel at the end of the day. I know how I I, I know the the lack of peace and the lack of just rest that I have in my spirit. And I try my best to not have to deal with that at the end of the day. Amen. I want I want to know that God I, I put my all into it for you. It's a lot it's a lot easier, praise God, to go on in life when you know you're passionate about the things of God. Because everything else just doesn't satisfy. Revelation the third chapter. Revelation three. I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Tell you when you don't allow your when you don't allow the Holy Ghost to just guide your emotions, guide your words, guide your passions. The Bible talks about a city that is broken down without walls. Just open target for the enemy. And the enemy can get in your mind and just cause so much havoc, so much chaos. Because we've let the guard down. We let the wall down. And it's, it is so unbelievable how much damage the enemy can do given given free course in somebody's mind it's the the things that can be planted the things that can the damage that can be done is is it just it, it it's so unbelievable don't let it happen don't let the enemy have have uh have free course in your mind revelation 3 verse 15 God is talking to the church, and he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot, so then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Do you get the idea that God is not looking for somebody who's looking for just good enough? You're not hot. You're not cold. There's, there's, there's just no, there's no passion. There's no zeal in your walk. Do you really understand that this is God's kingdom? Hallelujah. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17. Because thou sayest. See, their focus is on other things. I'm rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing. They don't, they, they don't have the, the heart to really desperately seek the things of God because they're self-satisfied. But God says spiritually, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I don't ever want to be so deceived. And God says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Get the things that are of true value that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and an 
anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And he says, be zealous, therefore, and repent. The remedy of lukewarmness, the response that God is looking to in the church, that when they see that that lack of passion, that lack of, of heart is is there. He says, be zealous. Have a fervent spirit. Be passionate about the things of God. If you can't be passionate about the things of God, you must be honest with yourself and say, why not? What gets in the way? What distracts? What 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 possibly could it be that makes me not really say have an ability to cry out to God, to have to have that heart that is humble enough to to feel after God, to to worship God with emotion and with with humility, with, to, to love God with all your heart, to put your heart into giving God your very best and your the most that you can. What's missing? Somehow is there has gotten in this generation this understanding that is a lie that can say, if I can just find that place, kind of of having the world and heaven too, you know, having your cake and eat it too, some way that I can still have what I want and love me and still, hey, when you love God, God wants you to have an abundant life. God's not looking for you to just set all your 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 things and, uh, you know, you don't matter and you're just going to live like a pauper. No way. God enhances. God blesses. Amen. But if you don't trust God with all that you have, you'll never reap all that. And when you do reap, you can't really have peace about it. But God's saying, have zeal. Have a zeal. Have a passion in your heart. In this last day, in this hour that we're living in, when so many are just just cold and indifferent, just so so mediocre. God's saying, I'm looking for people who repent and be zealous. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please? Sister Katie, can you join me here? Play something on the keyboard. This man, Joash, this king. I wonder if we could all just put ourselves in to this story. I think a lot of people sometimes they come to church and they see and hear the passion of the the word being preached and the worship and they kind of wonder about it. But here in this setting we can see how God works. We can see God's heart saying I I, I didn't call you here just for good enough. I, I want to give God says, I want to give you a blessing. I want to give you more victory. Do you understand that? How much God was angry, showed it through this prophet, because it was God's desire to give victory to the very end, give a complete and utter victory. God told this man through the prophet, this is the victory. And he stopped at three. That anger, that that zeal works today. God's never changed. God's not looking for you to just get through this battle so that you can settle in again and to your lukewarm ways. 
God's looking to give you a lasting victory. Something that'll last for the next battle and the next battle and the next battle. Oh, I, I tell you, I know what God's trying to do. Too often, we just get ourselves focused on the, the, just the small picture of our discomfort right now. And we don't recognize the plan of God to give that, that lasting, sustained revival, sustained move of God in your life. In Joash's little thinking, he thought three battles, that's good enough. I, I, after the three battles, it should be fine. And Joe, and, and Elisha's wondering, why don't, why don't you empty that, the, those arrows? Why don't you empty that quiver? Why don't, this is God's victory for you against your enemy. Get after it, man. But he just didn't see past the, past the battles that were, on the table right then. God was trying to take him higher, trying to show him something, a bigger picture. In this last lukewarm day that we're living in, how about how about we respond to it and say, God, put more zeal in my life. Man, in God's history books named Jehu, man that drove furiously in his chariot to where folks could see him coming from a long distance and say, I can tell by the way he drives. That's Jehu. Jehu took a hold of the hand of a man and said, Is your heart with me? Come see my zeal. Come see my zeal for the Lord. I want you to witness something. This is what happens when a heart is fully surrendered to God's kingdom, God's will, God's purpose in this world. Can we stand together? God's called us into His church. God called us into His purpose, His, His kingdom. Called us out of darkness and into light. And wants to give us victory, and yet we just go through the motions sometimes. And All we want really is God just take away the problems and help me to do better, have an easier way. God's saying there's greater victories for you if you put your heart into this. There's more. Don't live your life so close to to defeat that you never get a passion for the things of God. Come on, others, why don't you find your place in the altar? God's really visited us tonight. God's really worked in this house. I believe He's speaking to us. live today, a lot of what I in my convictions today it's because I've said God I want to give you my best I'm not looking to just try to look for the people in the church and look for people in other churches that have the lowest standard and seem like they're getting by I, I want to I want to do better than that for God Maybe just a little better than the ones with the shortest, tightest skirts 
Uh-uh. Holiness. Maybe I'll do better than, than just the ones that have fallen and just kind of... I, I won't really just go that far, but I have conversations that are not pleasing to God, not clean and not pure-hearted. Oh, no, 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 no. Holiness under the Lord. Holiness under the Lord. Do it for God. He loves you. He's called you out of darkness. I'm not trying to get as close to the world with music and our speech and our I want to live a clean life. I want to live a godly life. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. See, when you let God love you and you're love with Him, you don't have to be so worried about what people are thinking and what they see and the insecurities of what they might be saying about you are just it's foolishness. It's a waste of time when you've got a solid foundation. You've got your confidence in God. Always worried about what somebody's doing. Always worried about what somebody's saying. Some, some other conspiracy, we talked about it recently, that you feel like is going on when God's... When you give all your heart to God, you're just in that safety, that that secret place of the Most High. And you trust Him. You trust Him. One day you're going to stand before Him and you know. You know you're going to step through this world and step into heaven one day. and You're not dreading it. You're not fearful of, oh, what if I don't make it? What if this and that? No, you're just trusting God. You've got to walk with God. You love Him. Trying to preach it bold, trying to tell you just how it is, but also have a right spirit that you know I'm not trying anything to do to hurt anybody, not trying to put anybody down. I want to see you in heaven. Every battle you're fighting, every trial you're facing, the real battle is don't lose out with God. Don't lose out with God. You say, brother, this, this battle, there's some hard things in my family or there's some hard things in my health. Don't lose out on God. That's first. But help this stop. But help this first. Whatever happens, you've got to be saved. God will help you. Hallelujah. 
Put your heart into serving God. You'll see it gets better and better. Because one day this world is going to pass. But God's, God's kingdom is eternal. Let's all stand. God, we love you. Thank you for just how your spirit is moving in a special way tonight. Thank you for, for your mercy to us and for the truth of your word. Help us, I pray, God, to just continue loving you, serving you with our whole heart. Help us to get everything out of the way that would hinder us from giving you our all. Lord, bless your people. Keep us safe, Lord, as we travel. And Lord, just bless, bless each and every family, each home. We love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.